RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Jim DeVico. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 379 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, and your weekly report from the Star Trek multiverse. Recorded live on Tuesday, August 21st, 2018, and available for download or streaming on Friday, August 24th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Anthony. All right. Kenna, why don't you tell us what we've got coming up this week? Well, this week we're talking about the casting of Ethan Peck as a young Spock in Star Trek Discovery. CBS expands its subscription options for all access on Amazon Prime Video channels. And Worf is watching you from the International Space Station. In Star Trek Online and gaming news, we're catching up on all the latest that the gaming world has to offer. And later, Jace is here with another Treklit 101. Finally, we've got a real treat for you, an interview with Doug Murray, show manager for Creation Entertainment, about his experiences managing the DeForest Kelly Theater and what it's like running a fan convention behind the scenes. And as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, remember that those hailing frequencies are always open, and we love to hear from you between episodes, so please reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. We're on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can even send us an email via incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. And now we're also on Instagram. So follow us at Priority One Pod for pics, memes, and the occasional hipster style typography quote. You know you want to. Captains, we're at the part of the show where we have to take a moment to thank our patrons, those of you that support the production of this show from month to month. Because of your contributions, the lights stay on, the team keeps producing, and we keep covering conventions like Star Trek Las Vegas. And I know we've said this already, but we are so very grateful for that support because without you, we wouldn't have been able to give you those awesome interviews that we were able to get during the convention. And this month, we need to welcome a new patron, Morag Ann, for their monthly contribution. Thank you so very much, and we are so glad that you've joined the team. Now, Captains, we understand that a financial contribution may not be possible but there are other ways that you can support Priority One Podcast. For instance, share the show with your friends when you see us posted on social media like Facebook or Twitter. Or head on over to iTunes or your podcast app and be sure to leave us a review. That sort of social support goes a long way in making sure that Priority One is everyone's weekly news roundup from the Star Trek multiverse. Now, let's check out all the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's check it out. The topic of Mr. Spock has sparked a lot of discussion among 
Trekdom. Will adult Spock make an appearance in Star Trek Discovery? Will Zachary Quinto take his portrayal of the beloved character to the small screen? Will the new actor be cast? Does CBS ignore Priority One production schedule when releasing news? Well, we have the answer to all those questions. On Tuesday, August 14th, the world was introduced to our new Spock, Ethan Peck. The 32-year-old actor, best known for his work on the television series 10 Things I Hate About You, was introduced by Discovery showrunner Alex Kurtzman. In a press release, Kurtzman said of the casting, quote, We searched for months for an actor who would, like Leonard Nimoy and Zachary Quinto, bring his own interpretation to the role. Ethan Peck walked into the room, aware of his daunting responsibility to Leonard, Zach, and the fans and ready to confront the challenge in the service of protecting and expanding on Spock's legacy. End quote. The original Spock family, the Nimoys, wasted little time in welcoming the young actor into the fold. Adam Nimoy tweeted a photo of himself with wife Terry Farrell, sister Julie Nimoy, Julie's husband, and the newly cast Ethan Peck. Nimoy's tweet read, quote, There's a new Spock in town. Welcome to the family, Ethan. End quote. Peck, who is the grandson of Hollywood royalty Gregory Peck, replied saying, quote, thanks to the Nimoy family for making me feel worthy. It's an incomparable honor, end quote. I have very little to say about this. We knew that somebody was cast. That's fine. He's a guy who's quite tall with dark hair. So tick, I guess. Um, you know, generally speaking, I think people have taken it quite well. I think it's clear that we're going to get a very young Spock. Certainly he's younger looking than Leonard Nimoy was when he originated the role. So, um, I mean, I know the timeline we're going to see a younger Spock, but I don't know. What, what else can you say except that he, he looks the part? The timing of this news to me lets us know, I think, that we're going to see Spock in season two of Discovery uh, at for the whole second half of the season, or at least starting at the beginning of the second half, because I believe their production schedule currently sets them in their hiatus between mid-season episodes. So yeah, they've I, already I, completed the first half. Yeah, so I think I think what we can take from this possibly is that we're going to see Spock maybe in the in in the first few episodes of the second half, possibly the rest of the season, which is kind of cool. Yeah, to be fair, we could see him earlier than that because uh, we know that Spock is absent, at least at the beginning of the story. So um, you could conceivably be shooting things like um, flashbacks. So we could see him earlier than the second half of the series. I wouldn't be surprised at all. But uh, but you're right. In terms of their production schedule, it's more likely we're going to see him for maybe, I don't know. I want to say I want to say no more than a couple of episodes, but <laughs> you know, and you never know with Discovery. You never know. If you've been waiting for Amazon Prime's video channels to offer CBS All Access's five ninety nine standard package, then your wait is over. CBS has reached a deal with the tech giant following increased subscription numbers for both Showtime and CBS All Access's nine ninety nine ad free versions through the Amazon platform. Deadline reports that during an earnings conference call earlier this month, CBS CEO Les Moonves said of the partnership, quote, Amazon has been absolutely amazing in terms of growing our subs. They've been at the top of the list and we like what they're doing. And we get more with them than any of our other partners, end quote. 
Deadline is also reporting that CBS has increased its subscriber target for both Showtime and CBS All Access from a combined 8 million by the year 2020 to a combined 16 million by 2022. So it's really great news that they're uh, increasing that target from 8 million to 16 million, which sounds like a huge, like gigantic number. But I always go back to um, these are extremely small numbers when we're talking about overall viewership. So uh, the one that I always go back to is The Walking Dead, because for years and years, it was like the juggernaut of the biggest viewership on television. Well, they were complaining towards the end of whatever the last season was that they were only bringing in 11 million viewers per episode. (laughs) So to put that in into context, uh, CBS's goal for subscribers for both Showtime and CBS All Access combined in four years' time is only 16 million. So um, we're talking very small numbers that they think are going to be actually watching Star Trek Discovery. It's still, I guess it's optimistic that they're, they're planning on increasing that. Um, and of course, we know that Star Trek Discovery has been like a huge driver of those subscriptions. So this combined with the uh, new developments that they're making with the Picard show and the short treks, it's clear that they have a really optimistic viewpoint for what CBS All Access is going to do in the future. And I think they appear to be diversifying how you can get CBS All Access, which is great. We've got Amazon Prime now. And don't forget that you can also get Discovery on Blu-ray. So most people have an Amazon service in one way, shape, or form. So this is certainly a convenient way of keeping everything in one centralized location. Um, More importantly, CBS All Access on the web is clunky. I mean, it might as well have been developed in 2002. It really needs a a serious facelift and some investment into making CBS All Access on the web a much more user-friendly experience. It's embarrassing, to be frank. I would rather go through Amazon and pay for this through Amazon and quite possibly get the shows in actual HD than what's happening on CBS All Access, number one. Number two is that you're right. We're already seeing fans of Trek express their, well, there goes my $10. I'm going to go ahead and give them to them because a Picard series has been announced, right? Um, We even had a patron, David S., say, well, I I guess I'm going to cough it up now because of the excitement driven by the new announcement that Trek could very well be a year-round content powerhouse. I'm probably going to switch over to to, and pay through Amazon Prime just on the mere fact that the CBS web is garbage. And number two, as they produce more shows, then I'm going to continue my subscription because I'm not going to lie. I canceled it after Discovery. I I think, too, this uh, directly opens it up to anybody who owns uh, a Fire device. So Fire TV, Fire tablet, Fire Stick. And I think I think there's a lot of people out there who are getting their online streaming content solely through these devices. This is open up opening up a whole new area of subscribers for CBS All Access. This brings us to this week's community question. Do you or did you subscribe to CBS All Access? Will you subscribe again when new Trek content starts coming out? So guys, we love Worf, obviously. Uh, It's our favorite. (laughs) Yeah, he is. He's our favorite lovable Klingon orphan raised by humans. Has been a regular in two Star Trek series now, after all. But if you told me that Worf was watching us right now, well, we might get a little creeped out. 
Now that is until we understand which wharf you're talking about. Window Observational Research Facility, aka WARF, is a NASA experiment currently running on the International Space Station. Spearheaded by recently retired NASA scientist and former astronaut Mario Runco, WARF is an apparatus that allows astronauts or remote-controlled payloads to conduct up to three Earth-facing experiments, all with a barely-hindered view of our home planet. According to NASA, the apparatus's capabilities include power and data transfer, as well as structural support for several instruments. But WARF also does what WARF has always done, protect. The unit has a retractable bump shield to protect the experiments during equipment changeout, and it's built to prevent condensation from accumulating in the window. NASA scientist Mario Runco explains the use of WARF, saying of the apparatus, quote, the wharf's presence on the space station allows its sensors to image the same location or region multiple times over several days. This allows for observations that can show, for example, how vegetation below may be changing from day to day. Subtle changes detectable by orbital sensors that might be indicative of declining plant health are rarely visible on the ground in their early stages. And often, by the time they are, it's too late and crops or even forests may be lost." End quote. For a link to the Space.com article, which features a NASA video describing Worf, check out the show notes. Well, that's it for this week in Star Trek news. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer, status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. The Star Trek mythos has an almost endless supply of starships and starship designs to draw inspiration from. The latest homage comes in the form of the newly available Tier 6 Lafayette-class Recon Destroyer. The design is heavily inspired by that of the New Orleans-class vessels such as the damaged USS Kyushu seen in the aftermath of Wolf 359 and the often name-dropped USS Thomas Paine. For Klingon captains, you can fly the Tier 6 Recon Raptor, named after the province where General Martok hails from. Both ships have a fleet variant and are available in the sea store for an introductory price of 20% off until the 27th. Be sure to check out the show notes for details and stats. Is this the first time they've launched a new ship with a 20% savings? It's usually, in my recollection, they'll do a ship sale, but the brand new ships are not for sale. Yeah, this is the first time I can remember them doing something like this. And the ships are available separately for 3,000 Zen or together as a bundle for 4,000. And that's actually the price before the 20% discount. So after the 27th, these ships will go up to that price. And currently, they're, they're available for a discount. And what's interesting is there's no mention of a Romulan or Jem'Hadar version of this ship like they've done in the past. That left a lot of players with a bad taste in their mouth. So thankfully, community manager uh, Mike Fatum, Ambassador Kell, actually said on Twitter, quote, I want to assure you we aren't planning on never making another Romulan or Jem'Hadar ship. With everything that we're putting together for Age of Discovery in the fall and the anniversary, I wouldn't expect to see those ships right away. He also went on to say that they eventually want to make sure that everything is in the game that they plan on. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see these ships at some point, but I think their resources are devoted to Age of Discovery right now, and it'll be a little while before we see them. 
and, and not only that, I mean, you know, even as successful as Victory is Life was for them, I can't imagine that there are nearly enough players to justify the resource time into creating those separate ships. Maybe the Romulans. The Romulans, yes, but I don't know about Jem'Hadar. I don't know. Because remember, the Jem'Hadar is barely even a faction as it is, right? It's it's a level 60 and up. You never spent as much time getting your Jem'Hadar as you did your main character. Now, before everybody starts coming down on me, I understand that, yes, you will, over time, of course, invest that, that level of uh, care into min-maxing your character. But my instinct, my guess would be to suggest that there just aren't enough players to justify the resources when they've got discovery on the horizon. This sort of gives us a clue that when they made that decision to allow Romulan and Dominion characters to fly their allied faction ships, we knew it was partially because, you know, Jem'Hadar were not going to have a large selection of starships like the Romulans have. But I think also they knew that this was coming, where they wouldn't be able to devote the resources to complete, you know, versions of every single style of ship that they release in the sea store. And I, right. and I think that that was definitely a, a tell from them. Well, that leads us to another community question this week. For those of you that have gone ahead and purchased these ships... We want to know your first thoughts. And for those of you on the fence or not interested, what's keeping you from purchasing it? Foundry authors can put their skills to the test for a chance to win a tier six ship, create a foundry mission geared towards a Jem'Hadar and or Cardassian character, and you could win your choice of a T6 Infinity Promo Pack Starship, including the new Herc Dreadnought and the Constitution class. Entries must be submitted by September 21st. Official rules and details can be found in the show notes. As mentioned in our interview with the developers of Star Trek Adversaries, the Romulan Invasion is the next expansion scheduled for the digital, customizable card game. The trailer that originally debuted at STLV is now available to watch with a release date of sometime in September. Check out the show notes for the link. And now, Captains, let's grab our pads and follow along as Jace delivers another literary review. Hello, Captains. This is Jace with the latest edition of Trek Lit 101. This month, we return to the days of disco with Fear Itself by James Swallow, a novel focusing on... You guessed it, Kelpian Lieutenant Saru. Swallow has written a ton of well-loved books, not only for Star Wars, including two in the Titan series, but other sci-fi franchises like Stargate, Doctor Who, and Warhammer 40,000, where I first encountered him via Flight of the Eisenstein. Before anyone calls an Inquisitor on me for heresy, let's get on with the review. Fear itself takes place four years before the start of Discovery when Saru and Burnham were still essentially rival junior officers. Saru rankles at the seemingly meteoric rise of the relative newcomer Burnham, and the two clash frequently. The setup, and their interactions throughout the book, help flesh out the background for their already tense relationship in the series, even before the pivotal events of Battle of the Binary Stars. The main storyline is as topical, and at times on the nose, as Trek has ever been, with a culture clash between two races, one of whom was driven from their home territory and taken in by the other. 
Certainly, some of the portrayals within mirror real-life debate over the issues surrounding refugees and immigrants. I won't say it's always subtle, but it's very Star Trek. Saru's journey in this book has him confronting some of his own fears and shortcomings in the hopes of becoming a better officer. And as a result, we get insight into his nature as well. Of course, the path there is fraught with missteps and conflict, since he's hardly by nature a rough-and-tumble adventurer of the TOS era. Regardless, by the end of Season 1 of Discovery, he had become one of my favorite characters, and this book helps cement that. I would call it highly recommended to anyone who's been enjoying Discovery, and especially folks who would like to see more of the prior seven seasons of Star Trek Shenzhou, even though we have all seen the Downer series finale already. By the way, perhaps relevant to all this recent Star Trek Online and STLV news, the next novel coming focuses on a certain cadet we seem to have gone silly for. Coming January 2019, The Way to the Stars. That's all for this month's Treklet 101. Now let's take a final trip back to STLV with an interview with show manager Doug Murray. I'm sure there is an answer. Well, better get some facts. Well, Captains, we are still here at STLV 2018, and we're on the show floor with a very special guest that I actually met backstage at the DeForest Kelly Theater. His name is Doug Murray, and he's a show manager here with Creation. Doug, why don't you tell us a little bit about what exactly you do as a show manager and what you do in that particular theater? In this theater, as a show manager, I'm responsible for making sure all the technical gear works. Mm-hmm. I'm responsible for making all the announcements, introducing all the guests, making sure the lights work, making sure the videos work, yep. pretty much making sure everything that's part of the show operates. Yeah, and you're in there, you're backstage there from the time the show opens to the time it closes. Actually, I'm backstage from about t- an hour before the show opens <laughs> until right. it opens because we have to make sure everything works before we open for the day. Yeah. So we've spent some time backstage a little bit with a couple of panels that we've done this week. And describe to me, you know, in vague terms, how does a panel work? What's the process behind putting that on? There are a bunch of different kinds of panels. Mm-hmm. So um, most of the panels here that we do in the D. Kelly room involve people who are doing things for the Star Trek online group or for various merchandise groups or for costuming people. Right. And in those cases, they bring a presentation to us. We arrange for it to run so it plays on the screen and the sound works. Yep. And then we put them out front with mics yep. so they can talk to the audience and tell them about the product or the update on the... We just did an update on the online system just a little while ago. Yeah. Or we do some kind of cosplay thing. Whatever's scheduled for that time in that room. Yeah, and I know that you guys are uh, very skilled at arranging all the chairs and things, especially for our gigantic panel with seven people on it. It was amazing. We've done more, so we've done up to 14. Oh, wow, in a single panel. In a single panel. That's a really long table. So uh, tell me something about your history, and part of the reason that we got started chatting was because you told me that you've been in this business for a long time. Uh, Longer than maybe I should have been. (laughs) Uh, I started off as a science fiction fan. And I went to the World Science Fiction Convention in 1963. Mm-hmm. I was working for Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine at the time. Wow. And that kind of got me caught. So I was on the committee for the very first Star Trek show. And I got to be friends with Gary and Adam, who run Creation, mm-hmm. when they were 14 and I was in the military. And uh, when they did their first show, which was a comic book show, I was working in comic books. I write comic books. Yeah. And I arranged their guests. I was overseas at the time, so right. I wasn't at that show. But following that show, I either did guests or helped them out in some way, did some, some work on stage. Yeah. So I've been doing this for, with them since 1971. Wow. I took a break of about 10 years when I worked for Lucasfilm 
and took the Star Wars actors around the world to do signings and appearances. And then I came back. I bet you've seen a lot of things that particularly Star Trek fans and convention goers would just die to see. That may well be true. I've been on every Enterprise bridge except the J.J. Abrams one. Just a chance for the original one. And I've, I've gotten to know a lot of the talent. So it's, it's a nice thing when Gates McFadden walks in the room, comes over, gives you a big hug. Yeah. It's, it's nice. And, yeah, I, I hear a lot of stuff backstage, which I don't repeat, which, you know. <laughs> That's part well, of the reason you still have your job. Well, yeah. will, will you be writing uh, some memoirs, a, a book about I don't about plan to write backstage. memoirs. So, uh, you know, no. Uh, I just finished the longest graphic novel in history. It's 204 pages yeah. for the Naval Institute Press. So that's what I do when I'm not doing this. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. One of the things that we talked about is that this isn't your main job. You no. are also an author. I write for a living. I've been making money from it since I was 13. Yeah. I started doing it full-time when I was 40. Yeah, we've always had a roof over our heads. We've always eaten. Yeah. I think of the 20-odd novels and 400-odd comic books and thousands of movie reviews and, and articles. So yeah, I've been doing this for doing that for more than 50 years. If you've got that thing going on on the side, what is it that brings you back every year to a show like this? It's family. I mean, I know I, the people I work with are like family. I work with them all the time. Yeah. A lot of the fans I've known for 10 or 15 years, they're like family too. Yeah. So it's more getting together with people I care about than anything else. And it keeps me from just staring at a computer screen all the time by myself and talking to my cats. <laughs> this is a way better way yeah. to socialize. And it's really funny that you say that because I know a lot of the convention goers, the people that I'm friends with here, we say exactly the same thing, but on the completely flip side of the experience. So it's really great that you say that from your perspective as well. I believe it. I mean, like I say, a lot of people, I really care about a lot of people here. They're, they've yeah. been friends for years, and I see them as family. And uh, one of the nice things about these conventions, about Star Trek in particular, is that people come and, and they make friendships. Yeah. They, and they keep those friendships for decades. Yeah. And, and you don't get that elsewhere. It's, it's really special. Well, so, <laughs> I've got to ask, is there any, like, one little story? You don't even have to name names. Is there, like, one a with the Star Trek actors? Are all of them just pleasant people? Uh, let me say that the few that were unpleasant have changed substantially. So people that in the 1980s were difficult to get along with for various reasons now are a pleasure to deal with. Some of them were changed by family, some were changed by having kids, some were changed by other things, but they've all made that change to being kinder, gentler, nicer people. Awesome. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was fascinating meeting you and learning a little bit about the history of a show like this. And thank you so much for all of the work that you do behind the scenes, making things like the panels happen and keeping the show running smoothly. It's, cool. it's very much appreciated by my, me and also, I'm sure, by the other fans. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See? Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Episode 378's community question was non-existent, but we had some big Spock news, some big STLV news, and some great general feedback that we love you all for. From Patreon, Shane Hoover writes in, I loved the STLV coverage and loved meeting you at STLV. STO Shane, what up? I'm super excited to have Sir Patrick back. 
I know he'll turn in amazing performances. I am a little scared too, though. Revisiting a much-changed Jean-Luc may force me to change how I feel or think about him. I hope he's still got the same core of decency and greatness that made him the perfect captain. That's a good point, Shane. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I hope they don't turn him super dark. I just hope they don't try too hard. Right. This is yeah. a well-established yeah. character that we all know and love. They really don't need... He can slot right in. They just need to give him something to do. And I hope they don't try to make too many twists and turns or make it too gritty or whatever. Just let it ride. I hope they do with Jean-Luc what they did with Professor Xavier. It, it just naturally progressed in that way. And I thought that was a, a, a very well-executed character development, character arc. From Patreon, responding to our After Hours coverage of STLV, David S. says... Thank you for all the coverage and extra posts during STLV. The interviews were great, and learning Picard was coming back is just epic, which is not a word I typically use. The next big anniversary is what? Voyager's 25th in 2020? Or do you think they'll do a 10-year anniversary for the Kelvin timeline next year? 20th anniversary of Galaxy Quest. Just saying. Good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. That is yeah. one of my top five favorite Star Trek movies. I, I, it is It is one of the top, I agree. And I, I have a feeling that we will see a lot of Galaxy Quest cosplay next year. From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Bertolf says, So I just binged episode 378 and the previous two episodes. Work getting in the way again. Loved all your con coverage and the interviews as always. I can't make it to these things, so it's great that you guys can go for me. I particularly liked the interview with Holly and Josh. I keep hearing about this game, but I didn't really understand or know what I was hearing about. But now I'm intrigued to look into it more, especially now I can get it on my Android phone too. And of course, if you don't know what he's talking about, he's uh, referring to our interview with Star Trek adversaries. From Twitter, in response to a certain tweet we made about revealing Elijah's Cylon heritage, Jason Smith says, by your command, and sent us a great uh Elijah as a Cylon Photoshop. Yeah, that was that was epic. That was that was really good because you know what? Deep down inside, I, on the outside, I was acting like a Cylon because I had to, you know, be cool. But on the inside, I was freaking the f out, man. That's gonna be a long beep. From Facebook, in response to our post about Ethan Peck being cast as Spock, Dan Kaneski says. Not sure how I feel about recasting of old characters. It would be nice if they just stopped in to say hi for 30 seconds and then went and did their own thing. In my opinion, Kurtzman is trying too hard to make modern Trek relevant to old Trek. I'd prefer they stop dabbling in nostalgia like this, either make it prime or make it unique. Stop trying to do both. If they were going to dabble at all, they should have used the Technicolor set for the 1701. The best references to old material are the ones that are implied, not shown. Even without a community question, you've proven once again you are the best podcast friends around. Well, that wraps up episode 379 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts like Mission Log, Women at Warp, and The Trek Files, visit podcasts.roddenberry.com. But before we go, here's a community question for this week. Do you or did you subscribe to CBS All Access? 
And will you subscribe again when new Trek content starts coming out? And in Star Trek Online, for those of you that have gone ahead and purchased the new Tier 6 Lafayette class Recon Destroyer or the Tier 6 Ketha Recon Raptor, we want to know your first thoughts. And for those of you on the fence or not interested, why not? Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter or Instagram via at PriorityOnePod. Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.PriorityOnePodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 11 p.m. Eastern on Facebook. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if that wasn't enough, be sure to spend time with Admiral Winters and the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada takes to our Twitch channel, where they review the latest Star Trek Online and Armada news, as well as spotlight some of the amazing members in our community. Each week, we team up with you, the viewers, and our listeners, and earn things like reputation marks and dilithium. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Star Trek online players, new and old. Follow us on twitch.tv forward slash priority one. And if you'd like to join the Armada, just visit priorityonearmada.com. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets. A special thanks to Creation Entertainment's show manager, Doug Murray. Thanks to our audio editor, Brandon Parker. Thanks to producer Jake Morgan for assisting in the writing of our show and social media endeavors. Thanks to our graphic artist and web designer, Henry Pomper. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to Patreon associate producers, Navy Boats Lou and Jim DeVico. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Su no. Engage.
Captains, remember that those hailing frequencies are always open, and we love to hear from you. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> Yay. This is Anthony. Check it out. Sync 3. I love the way he says it. He goes, this is Anthony. Paging dot paging Mr. Herman. Mr. Herman, you've got a phone call in the front desk. <laughs> It's okay. You'll get through it. CBS has reached a deal with the tech giant following... That was so con- that was so condescending. You'll get through it one day. It makes me feel better, though, because you'd be super nice to me if you were about it's, to it's fire It's really me. hard to say all axes. You don't think it's oh, plural, right. do you? Right, 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 right. No, 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 no. You're right, you're right. CBS Sorry. all axes. Wow. Sorry. First of all, I was condescending... <laughs> I was condescending. No, she was informative. Jesus you were condescending. Christ. She was informative. No, 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 no. She said, "I," and I quote, "You don't think it's plural, do you?" Right. She was just making sure I. You. She you, was just clarifying. You dummy. You <laughs> is, dummy. I didn't hear I, any I did of not that. Say that. None of that not was say that. connoted to me whatsoever. <laughs> I can't say Mario. I keep thinking Mario. It's not. It's not Mario. Like comparable. No, that's ridiculous. Hey, it's a me, a Mario. Thank you for playing Star Trek Online. Go blow something up. <laughs> Sorry. Hmm. Former astronaut Mario. <laughs> oh my God. Oh. Jesus. It's a me, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's not even a name what the heck <sighs> my apologies to Mario Runco who is almost definitely watching <laughs> wow we were we were wow we were reaching this time way to go Jake <laughs> we digging deep deep into the bag oh tricks super deep tricks now do we know if they actually <laughs> named this <laughs> <laughs> hashtag bag of trucks. <laughs> yes, we have a new hashtag. Bag of trucks. Bag of trucks. Yes. But is it is it bag of trucks or bag o trucks? Bag o trucks. Bag o trucks. Bag o trucks. Bag o trucks. New hashtag. Sweet. Now, captains, let's grab our pads and follow along as Jace gives us a new. Uh, that was pretty good. Yeah, I like where that was going. Awesome. That was good. Yeah, you had a good takeoff, but that landing. Yeah, yeah. The trailer that originally debuted at STLV is now available to watch with a release date of sometime in September. I think you should do that again. I said September. Yeah, you said, you said September. 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 Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.